Do you teach animal science? Maybe introduction to agriculture? Do you talk about dairy and swine in those classes? Is your curriculum lacking? If so, this is the episode for you. I have on Kylie Miller and she's going to talk about the things that you should be teaching in your classes as it relates to dairy and swine. It's going to be a great episode, so you're going to want to stick around. Hey friends, this is Hannah Wedger, an agriculture teacher in St. Paul, Minnesota, land of 10,000 lakes, and I'm here to talk all things agriculture education related. Curriculum, classroom management, FFA, career development events, SAEs, and whatever else you want to hear about. It's basically me sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with all of you. So, let's dig in. Hey friends, I am here today with Kylie Miller, um, and she is a teacher in Iowa, which we are just chatting, and this is the closest that I've had someone um, recording to Minnesota, so a lot of my friends that I've recorded have been in the southern states, and so I'm excited to have someone who understands winter and the tundra that we live in. <laughs> um, so she is she teaches at West Western Christian High School in Northwest Iowa, and I'm going to let her introduce herself a little bit more. Welcome, Kylie. Thanks, Hannah. So like Hannah said, I'm Kylie, and I teach at a school that's about 260 kids, and I um, moved here in 2015. Before that, I went to Iowa State and got my master's actually this May. And uh, but prior to Iowa State, I actually grew up in southeastern Iowa. So even though I'm in the same state, I live six hours from where I grew up. And the reason why I ended up at Western, because I was totally planning to live somewhere on the east side of the state, uh, was purely God. Um, he kind of opened up this opportunity, and I'd always had in the back of my mind during college, you know, it'd be really neat to start a program someday. Well, I did not think I would get that opportunity right off the bat. So I interviewed with these guys kind of on a fly because I was going to go student teach in Norway, and I did. Um, but the day before I left for that, you know, 15-hour flight, uh, I got a call from them, and interviewed with them and it just felt right um and so prior to even seeing the school i came up here and i i just had a feeling this was a good fit and while those first three years still i mean still is learning every day i don't know what egg teacher isn't learning every day (laughs) (laughs) um it was pretty intense uh just learning a new community learning how to work and was super excited about it Um, and starting a program, doing things like buying welders and scratching for curriculum and literally some days not figuring out what the world I was going to do until a minute before. Um, (laughs) But I'm entering year five now and it's been kind of a growing experience for me, especially with my master's. I did a creative component about how to start an egg program and that's been Fruitful, fruitful and a blessing for me to share with other teachers in Iowa. And so now that I'm here, I'm now learning a little bit more how to balance a little bit of family life and work life. Um, met a guy, so you know. <laughs> and that's been really fun and feeling like I know people more. So that's kind of where I came from. <laughs> um, can I? This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, starting a new program is. <laughs> the hugest undertaking. Uh, (laughs) Tell us a little bit about your program. Like what classes do you teach? How many students do you have? What grades? That sort of thing. Yeah. So that's been kind of a blessing too and how that timing worked out. When I was in Norway, I give this backstory because I think we assume that everybody has a fast lifestyle that we have. In Norway, It was just so chill, very relaxed. So I had a lot of time to really think about what I wanted to teach and how I wanted to teach it. And so what I did is I put together a booklet about the program, kind of like four goals I had for it. I put together the classes and the class outlines. And so that was an interesting process, too, because I was asking a lot of ag teachers, like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And, of course, all of us go a little bit off of what our teachers taught us. 
So I decided right off the bat, uh, I had gotten a certification in AFNR from Case. So I knew that class was fine. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Thank goodness. And then I knew that the area is very heavy in manufacturing. That was one and manufacturing and welding and machinery. And so that was one thing they had told me when I came here that they really wanted me to teach that. Well, I was really glad I took extra courses in that because I really did not have a ton of expertise with welding. I'm no pro at welding. And so then I said, okay, I got to have welding. And then I have animal science. And the first year I'd used a case curriculum on that. I didn't love it. Granted, maybe I shouldn't let people know this, but yeah. I was not, not a teacher that had had the certification at the school before they started the program. So I used it that first year because technically you're under like, quote unquote, warranty to do it that way. Yeah. And so I had that. I had thrown under me environmental science, which I didn't feel that confident with. I added ag business. And I think that's all I had the first few years or first year. And then the next year I added horticulture and ag power and tech. Am I forgetting anything? I think that's it. (laughs) So now I have a total of seven courses throughout the year. And yeah, now I am certified in two case courses. No, three, because I just got ag business. And um, I really, really appreciate that. That just makes life so much easier. But my main drive for creating those ones was just that I knew welding was heavy in the area and they needed mechanical machinery related jobs. Um, And ag business is just kind of a a no brainer, I feel like, for kind of the basis of everything. Yeah. Also, yeah. And it's also so heavily like this area. If you look at a map of agriculture, it's crazy how red our area is in especially crop and animal science. Um, so that's kind of why I went down that road. And my horticulture class is actually just agronomy and horticulture. I'd love to have two separate classes for that, but that hasn't happened yet. Sure. Yeah. That's always a struggle, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, like, at my school, we're looking to create, um, like, kind of college pathways or career yeah. pathways. Um, and it's, like, our principal always laughs because he's, like, you need, like, four people. And I'm, uh-huh. like, well, people in Texas have four people, but yeah. right now it's just me. So <laughs> we got to, like, pick and choose and kind of figure out what's going to work best. And oh, we've had that, too, where we're, like, yeah, in floral design, I teach you know, some plant science stuff and some floral design and mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's a struggle too. Like my first couple of years, it was really hard explaining to my um, coworkers and because my community lit legit, like they have no knowledge of FFA. Like there's maybe like three of my parents that were in FFA, but other than that, they had no clue. And that's, that was kind of a, not necessarily a battle, but something you learn to work through and how to educate, not just your kids, but your community, your parents. Yeah, that is, um, that is so interesting. And I can definitely relate as well, because mm-hmm. um, I, my students are urban students. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes, I have to go back like a couple of generations, like ask your grandparents if they yeah. know what FSA is. And oftentimes, like the grandparents are super excited. Yeah. Um, or the parents are like, Oh, I remember when grandma and grandpa did this. Or I remember when we went to go visit your great aunt and uncle and stuff like that. Um, but the it, it is a, like a different mindset to not only educate like the people within your school and your students, but also reaching out to that next like round of people, the parents, the community members, that sort of thing. So absolutely. That is a huge <laughs> undertaking, especially as like a new teacher. That is yeah. that is like some serious commitment. <laughs> I am absolutely amazed. Uh, well, thank you. It's, I, mean, <laughs> I think I've learned more. I mean, obviously I learned a lot, but I think I've learned more in the past four years than probably what I thought I learned a lot of in college. I mean, I did, but it's just, yeah, the more I look back on it, I'm like, holy cow, God, how did we do this? I know. I know. I know. It's always like those first three years, three or four years, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I always say, I'm so grateful that my administration that I worked for in the beginning was so open to like letting me explore and letting me try to like 
figure out who I was as a teacher because that's so important as like a first year te- first second third year teacher just you're just, just trying to figure out your groove and that's yeah. an interesting thing so it totally is <laughs> <laughs> so I when we were chatting um on Instagram and trying to kind of figure out what we might talk about you're like mm-hmm. I am very passionate passionate about the dairy <laughs> and the swine industries and I was like perfect Let's <laughs> talk about that because I feel like I say this a lot, but (laughs) that's not my area of expertise. (laughs) Um, And it's so interesting. And that's one of the reasons why I originally started this podcast is because as agriculture teachers, you know, there's so many things that we are supposed to know about. Oh, goodness, yes. (laughs) You cannot possibly know everything. No. (laughs) Yeah. So dairy and swine. I mean, I would say I know kind of the the bare minimum that I would need to know in order to teach. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I was excited to have you on to be able to kind of talk about like your curriculum. What are you teaching in your classes? What do you think is important for other people to be teaching that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, so maybe it it's probably good to kind of talk about like what your background is in the animal science world. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, I going back to what you said about feeling like you have to know everything that gave me so much anxiety for a couple of years like Ugh. and finally just being honest with my kids and being like I'm sorry I don't know <laughs> I know I used to like try and fake it and be like oh yeah yes. blah 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 and like make up <laughs> answers and now I'm like you guys you expect me to know everything about this this it's not gonna happen like no. I'm sorry no, I, I tried that animal science and I always start that class, or not animal science, egg business. And I always start the class with, y'all, just so you know, Miss Miller is not good at math. So yeah. <laughs> we're just going to go with it. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, um, so I grew up on a diversified, like 26 acre farm. So nothing huge compared to the like thousands of acres, huge. I lived next, I grew up next to the like, top five biggest swine producer in the state and so you know it's hogs everywhere so I've always been around hogs since I was one years old so as far as swine go I kind of never thought about that I really enjoyed them and yeah they still stink Um, but (laughs) when I was in college I had the sweetest professor he was so passionate about hogs and um, what was really sad is he ended up having to retire early I mean he was like in his 70s but he had leukemia but besides that that point is he just got me so fired up about pigs and I just I loved it and I'm like I want to be a swine farmer but then what's also funny is ever since I was pry in eighth grade when I was first introduced to more of the logistics of dairy I was like you know I would love to be a dairy farmer like that sounds so cool and that that just sounds so amazing and I think that'd be fun well what's kind of funny is love God how God he works um I the, the man that I'm dating, Michael, his family are dairy farmers. Oh, funny. Um, <laughs> and uh, he works for a company in Pipestone, Minnesota. Um, okay. And, yeah, and they sell Laley dairy equipment. And so oh, yeah. I've gotten to know more about the farm management support of dairy industry, um, what Michael does. And so because of those backgrounds, because there is literally no dairy in South Dakota, southeastern Iowa, like nothing there. But then really? you come here and there's so many. Yeah. And so that's kind of my background there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's really interesting. I would assume my assumption would be that there would be dairy across Iowa. Yeah. I mean, there's a big one over way by the Mississippi that I've been to that had robots. Um, but honestly, in the county that I grew up in, I can think of off the top of my head, like two dairies, one of which is Amish. So, <laughs> wow, that is yeah. so interesting. Yeah. I have been learning so much about agriculture across the U.S. just from chatting yeah. with other people. It's been Thank really you. cool. Mm-hmm. So that is a pretty good background and <laughs> like, definitely gives you um, – gives you that kind of next level of expertise above me for sure. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Um, Is there any area that you feel like you really have an expertise in within um, like dairy and swine or anything like that? Yeah. Well, I guess like just kind of glancing back through my curriculum and just kind of remembering, I'm super passionate about with swine 
I actually really enjoy learning a lot, I should say, about swine and dairy and really animal, any animal. I really enjoy learning about reproduction in those and kind of how I'm still not an expert in talking through like how the hormones work during through the cycle and whatnot, but I have a deep enough understanding that it's interesting to talk about. I'm not going to lie, it cracks me up talking about the kids because they're always like, oh, why are yeah. you talking about this? Um, it's the most uncomfortable conversation you'll have it just cracks me up so much and I just roll with it yeah um but I really enjoy kind of the swine management um the different systems and it's really interesting too because I mean most of my kids which is very rare anymore do come from a farming background but I really enjoy talking through kind of the the debated issues in both industries especially with like farming crates or in the dairy talking about um, the different hormones that you use and talking through, no, there's not actually antibiotics in them. And of course it's this way. Um, But I also really enjoy with dairy kind of talking through comparing and contrasting the different parlor systems. I thought it was interesting this past spring, how most of my kids, which I thought was so interesting, granted Michael's around, so I learned all these things, but (laughs) I had a kid that was like, well, I think if you have a really small dairy, that's when you would use a robot. And I just looked at him with golf ball eyes and I'm like, do you know how much those are? If you have like 15 cows, that's not a profit. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And the lactation cycle is so interesting to talk through with them because it, I, I understand like it, it's clear as mud to me, but they just have a harder time connecting like this is why you would have a cow eat more at this time, or this is why this cow would lactate higher at that time. Mm -hmm. So I guess if you want to kind of combine everything together, it's interesting talking about the repro and how the cycle works and also just the different things you can get out of the product of a pig and a dairy cow. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So just kind of talking through those things, but yeah. And the labs I have with these are kind of fun too. (laughs) okay so that brings me to my next question of like what okay so maybe we'll we'll start with dairy walk us through your dairy curriculum what are the like topics or units that you cover um and what are some like interesting good lessons that we should be teaching our kiddos yeah absolutely so with the dairy one I have it set up and I'd be more than willing to share this because I have it all into a doc oh Um, yeah (laughs) But, um, and like the, like worksheets and stuff. Um, so how I have it set up is we kind of go through the life cycle. We talk through, and that's interesting too with kids. Like they don't understand that when a cow, they didn't, they didn't understand this past year. Every group's different, obviously, but how, when a cow has a calf, obviously that's when she starts milking, but they didn't realize and think about like, well, what do you do with the male calves or what happens when, um, she peaks at milk or when she's done milking and they don't think about like we got to look at the numbers do we keep her and talk about culling and whatnot so we kind of go through that and then we go into the parlor systems and then we talk about the different grades of milk and products of milk and classes of milk greeting and we do a little bit of that and I have some whiny boys that are like I have to taste milk that tastes quote-unquote bitter when you know all you did to it was add salt yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so you do and maybe I'm you do a little Go bit ahead. of like the dairy foods contest per se or milk yes. quality. Okay. Yes, exactly. And I like my kids are weird. <laughs> I love them, but like I think it's because we're still a new program and we're getting there. We're getting more involvement with competitions, but I'm like, guys, this is so fun. Like you get to eat food. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there, yeah, I do dabble in that, especially with the milk and the cheese. Okay. And absolutely. I did. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the so fun part I, to bring into the class. <laughs> oh, amen, for sure. Because, and that is something I try to weave into all my classes. Like, hey, this is part of the competition. What do you think about it? Giving them a taste and trying to do as much overlapping between FFA and AG as we can. So after that, maybe I'm old school, but we do talk through the breeds because I still think that's important. That's something that I always remember. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we go through judging dairy cattle which is always interesting um because it's kind of fun now I have Michael kind of come in and give his reasonings and they're they're usually like oh well I was always wrong like that's okay but you're learning (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, that's kind of the, the backbone, if you will. We just kind of go from birth, if you will, to the product and judging. I like that idea of going from, you know, that kind of timeline of following the animal from birth all the way to the products that they're producing and then the judging and stuff like that. I feel like that's a really good way to set it up. Yeah. Well, thanks. (laughs) Visually too, I can like follow that through. And for me, that just, I don't know, makes me feel better. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, more than willing to share. (laughs) Um, Okay, so then let's look at the swine, your swine curriculum, any like, um, you know, how do you set up any important units, that sort of thing, any awesome lessons that we should be teaching our kiddos as well? Yeah, definitely. So with swine, I kind of have it set up the same way. We we start from kind of the building, um, what does the swine industry look as like as a whole? And of course, Sensor Iowa, we're number one in pork production. <laughs> So they love seeing how everybody else relates and they get kind of proud and like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And um, and then they wonder, you know, like the, the issues of debate, like why do people not agree with sparing crates and well, why can't we do this? And so we kind of talk through like what the, the world thinks and something else that's interesting is we live in a very, um, I guess I always kind of term it as a box a little bit, but I, I love where I live, absolutely. But because I have grown up and been to so many different places, I have a little bit more of a world perspective. And teaching high schoolers, I mean, I think anybody would agree with this. They're pretty like, no, well, this is how dad does it, so this is how I should do yes. it. Yes. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, what about this? And so kind of talking through the debate issues, it's kind of what we go through and kind of take a step back. And then similarly to dairy, we talk through, oh, I forgot. We do talk about nutrition and dairy too, but we kind of talk about okay, what happens at birth. I love talking about swine repo pro just because, you know, you're dealing with multiple animals in that fetus, not just one or two. Mm-hmm. So we kind of talk through what that looks like. And a couple years ago, I did get an actual uterus of a pig and that was that was really cool to see yeah I bet. Was, like you're like oh my goodness that's a piglet I'm like yeah um so we kind of go through that we go through um lactation we go through how to care for those piglets um and then we talk through nutrition at different stages again we talk about breeds um again we go through kind of what happens in a facility how to keep it clean what ventilation especially with pigs is so important um and then i do teach them in this unit more about injections and that can go you know across anyone but they just kind of get a kick out of this one because i do this lesson again i'd be more than willing to share but it's simple but I, I give them each an orange and then i just got some old syringes and needles from the vet and i dye water blue and we talk about subcutaneous intramuscular um, and intermuscular or intramuscular and they just love seeing that and how that affects a pig and why that's important to to know the difference so that's kind of some, the, the outline the backbone but I would say in this unit specifically oh and ear notching of course oh yeah um, I really enjoy talking through again kind of the welfare and versus a um, rightous point of view because a lot of them, especially with this unit, they they think an animal rightist means somebody that, that does the right thing with pigs. I'm like, well, what is the right thing to do with pigs? Yeah. Uh, and, then they, and then they're like, oh, I'm a pig welfareist. I'm like, yeah, that's kind of what I thought, but you know. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of what I go through there. Um, yeah. How do you, um, so you talk about like you kind of those hot button topics or those topics that are a little bit more kind of touchy to talk about. How do you approach those kind of topics? Cause I kind of struggle with that. Sometimes I have a lot of students who have read something on the internet and now are vegan, yep. you know, so oh, how do you approach those? Yeah. And I should rephrase myself. Like obviously everybody has a choice, but I think <laughs> I agree with you, Hannah. That is so hard because you don't want them to necessarily, but they know you, that's the thing. Like, you don't want them to necessarily be like, oh, well, you're like this because you want to kind of be in between so they can make their decision, Mm -hmm. Um, which is so hard. But I guess I always try to 
play devil's advocate a little bit and just like, well, I don't want to live in a six foot by a two foot stall. Why would you? <laughs> or just try to show them. I do have a lesson. I think it's in this unit or else it's in beef. I can't remember. Sure. But they, I show them four YouTube videos. Two of them are animal welfareists. Two of them are writers. And I go, okay, where do these ideas come from? Why do you think somebody would believe this? What would you say to them? And challenging them to the fact of you have to go further than saying, well, you're dumb because that's not going to be effective to anything. Right. Mm-hmm. You, can't have a, you can't have a conversation with somebody and convince them to go a certain way if you sound like, I mean, if you sound kind of like a jerk. That's not, that's not going to help. And so, um, especially since I teach at a Christian school, it's kind of cool to, to throw – not throw, but add in and, you know, incorporate, how would you respond if, as a Christian though? Like, how is that going to make, how is that going to make a difference? And so right. mm-hmm. I kind of talk through that a little bit. And another thing I do in this unit is I do have them debate different topics in, in swine production. So things such as, I mean, we don't really use this anymore, but like paling is that good to use or not. Um, and how to work through crates or thorough or uh, gestation stalls and what's so fun because every teacher likes to do this is the kid that is gung-ho <laughs> you should raise it this way you put on the other side yeah <laughs> I've had um I don't remember what the technique is called um but you can have your students like sit in a circle and then if they feel one way, they're on, like, one side of the circle. And if they feel another way about the topic, they sit on the other side. Yeah. And then as they, like, debate or discuss the topic, then you give them options, like, every, I don't know, four minutes or whatever to, like, move themselves if they feel like yeah. their perspectives have changed. That's um, a great idea. And it's kind of cool. Um I know that teachers, the reason that I brought it up is teachers have had students sit on one side or the other, and then they have to, you know, debate it, whether they are for it or against it. And then they have the option to move once they've heard some of the comments and stuff like that. Um, And so that's kind of cool, like a twist on the debate and has a name, but I don't remember the name of it. I should have been listening better in our PT session. (laughs) That's okay. We're always, you know, thinking in 12 directions, I know. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but I like that idea because that's the struggle too, is I'll have like 15 kids say they're for, for it and then like three against. And I'm like, eh. or explaining to kids what a debate is. It's not an argument. And if you say, well, it just tastes good. They have bacon. That's not getting you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always feel like, yeah, you kind of almost have to, like, pre-teach debate or kind of put it into a different format so that they can digest it a little bit better. Because I think their, like, instincts are to just defend whatever their concept or whatever their idea is and be Mm -hmm. kind of argumentative about it. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. And that's hard, too, from the teacher. Like, you're trying to be the mediator, you know, but... At the same time, you want to let them roll with it. But what's hilarious is sometimes they'll look over at me and like, oh, her face doesn't look very good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> do you do any field trips with your classes or anything like that? Oh, yes. Especially with animal science. That's my favorite class to do field trips with. And honestly, something I want to do in the next, huh, is school really going to start in five weeks? Yeah. But, um, <laughs> is kind of set those up better for the year yeah because you know that you get busy and so I guess some field trips that I love doing is there is several dairies around here and you know now that I know Michael and have him in my life I uh, he works with a works with um, managing a lot of those dairies around here so I have a lot of connections with that um we go to a dairy farm that has robots uh I, I would like to go to his family's dairy this next year because they don't have robots just so they can see the differences. Um, and then as far, and I try to do one every unit, not that great at getting there, but yeah. Um, and then with swine, I have, oh, she was amazing. I can't believe she graduated, but um, she shows pigs. And so they love having us out just to see what's going on. So a more small scale 
And then I would really like to go, and one of my students introduced me to this. There's a, um, he, he milks sheep. Um, what? But anyway, that's another topic. What the what? Yeah, milk sheep. <laughs> I know. So, but otherwise, as far as other than swine and pork, there's also a, um, just, just south of us, a really big, they more do more of the pork production side of the industry. Okay. So I'd really like to take them to that too. Sure. So, yeah. And then what's neat is that dairy um, that has the robust, they actually have a store now. They're called Stensland Dairy um, up in Sioux Falls. So it's really neat to, to take them to see it through the whole process. But, you know, depending how much they let us get out of school, because apparently ag teachers, you know, are just taking vacations all the time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I always find it hard to take kids out on field trips because they have so many other things and sporting events yes. and whatever else. But I mm-hmm. just you get so much value out of being able to go visit a farm and like, mm-hmm. oh, that's what we were talking about. That's a Holstein yes. or that's a Brown Swiss or whatever it might be. And mm-hmm. yeah. like, okay, so this is what, you know, this is how the robots work, or this is what a farrowing mm-hmm. crate is, like, in real life, instead of just looking mm-hmm. at a picture, and so I just was curious, yes. you know, what kind of field trips you were going on. Yeah, and that's the thing, like, I don't, sometimes, yeah, because we go on more ag te- more, uh, excuse me, more field trips probably than any other teacher, but I think what's hard is, A, fitting it into your school schedule, mm-hmm. and B, like, sometimes they just don't quite understand like this is what you're getting out of this like this is amazing and yeah but I think I think it's coming around <laughs> yeah I think so too I think you're right <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um thinking about like dairy and swine curriculum are there any common myths that you notice teachers are teaching and maybe they should kind of rethink them or anything like that yeah sure um and I-, I guess I'm I'm just I'm just uh, comparing and contrasting a little bit of what what I have been involved with, whether that was in college or when I was student teaching. Um, but I guess I can't think of many things. I feel like something that I'm seeing more and more of as I just kind of go back to where I grew up and other areas of the country is. It is sad how many of our younger kids, even though I don't deal with anybody outside of high school, but they just, they aren't able to make those connections because we're so much further disconnected from the family farm. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that's just hard to see because, you know, you want every kid to understand like your chicken did not come from the freezer section. Like it made it there. So I guess that's my small myth that I see, but I think, well, like that myth I said about my kids thinking that robots work well for like 15 cows. Mm-hmm. Um, but just from lack of knowledge from kids, but like, that's, that's fine because I'm like, you know what? You're here to learn. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I can't think of any specific examples outside of that, I guess. Yeah. I feel like as agriculture teachers, we try to do our best to really bring like the most recent industry information mm-hmm. that we can to our students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think oftentimes those connections that we have with local farmers um, and that sort of thing can really help us too. Yeah, definitely. And just asking questions. Like that's something I wish I would have learned way earlier in my life, but I always tell the kids just ask questions and and I think the other thing, though, that can be hard is, you know, you have to update things in your curriculum. Absolutely. But, you know, we get really busy and trying to fit it all in and, and pretend sometimes you know it all. Because, like, I had something from 2015 and the kids are always like, is that updated? And I'm like, ooh, I should probably do that. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I had a kid arguing with me about, I mean, this was in the beef unit, but about how to raise beef. And I was like, no, like. I, this came from the textbook, and I learned this in college. But, yeah, because that's hard, too, because, yeah, they are high schoolers. They do know things. Some of them do have those animals. Yeah. But I have to watch myself, too, to be more open to listening to the kid and talking through it and then comparing and contrast and not get – because some kids, I feel like, are grilling you. And it's yeah. Like, oh, okay, well, maybe I don't know, but this is what I know. But 
putting it back on them like well okay show me like teach me yeah um, my students yeah. always make fun of me because oh. when we do like field trips and stuff like that like and they weren't mm-hmm. at this field trip but this summer we went and visited a bunch of different farms um mm-hmm. and we went to an alpaca farm and <laughs> I have I'm like zero knowledge of alpacas oh, no. <laughs> I like have been around one maybe once or twice like just have never really been in the flesh <laughs> um, oh yeah and <laughs> this is the largest alpaca farm within Minnesota he had the largest herd um and I was like the whole time like so what about this well when is there a certain time you need to feed them how does the like reproduction work okay how long and just like a million questions but I was so excited and my students always laugh like when we go on field trips they're like <laughs> you're more excited about this than we are. I'm like, seriously, because this stuff is so cool and so interesting. And so I think like you said, you're very, very right in that you just kind of be willing to ask questions and learn. Uh, And I think that is true that just making sure you're updating your curriculum is so important. Yeah, absolutely. And even just the small factor of getting in the kids' mind you will always be learning. You will always be in school, but like they, they're not, that's not going to process for them until they're like two years out or 25. But I think being yeah vulnerable enough with them, but still, still being confident, which can be so hard some days is yeah. Showing them like, I don't know everything. And I think they do appreciate that. Yeah. I think so as well. Um, okay, so talking and moving a little bit into um, CDEs, when you think yeah. about um, like dairy evaluation, what are kind of your tips and tricks for preparing your students for that contest? Yeah, absolutely. So like I said, we still haven't had, I mean, this year was the best because we actually required members of FFA to do a CDE or an LED or at least one. Okay, cool. Um, and I think that's given a lot of traction. We had 87% of our kids do one. Um, so as far as that go, like I said, I haven't actually had, wait, that's a lie. I had one girl my first year. We drove all the way across the state to go to the dairy competition. Um, but like I said, I wasn't very knowledgeable <laughs> with how the competition went because nobody in my, my school ever did it as far as I knew. Um, but now I had, so I host a, a mini sub-districts, if you will at just within my school. So kind of like an in-house competition with all of my FFA and egg students. So through that, I really studied and learned how that competition works. So I guess as far as tips and tricks go, this kind of goes with all my CDs. I actually, and again, all my egg and FFA members. So they're getting exposure either way is on Friday. Every other Friday we spend time. I have them pick their CDE and their LDE and I say, okay, on this Friday, you will study your CDE slash LED. And I have Google Docs that have on it, like, because you can't be everywhere at once saying, this is, these are some resources. This is how to study for this competition. You need to come in physically and practice with me at least five times before your competition. So I guess as far as having them practice, I do a lot of past tests. Um, I get from IOFFA.com. Um, we sample, we talk through. What does it mean if a milk is malty or sour or gritty or something, or not gritty, um, that type of word. Yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, so we kind of do that. And I, oh, I love it. Like Michael's family was so helpful. They brought in um, uh, the mastitis test and showed them how to do that, showed them different colorings. We talked through grades. And again, I hope a lot of that overlap comes from the class, just with like milk quality testing that we do and that. So I guess my biggest advice for any CDE for ag teachers would be if there's a way you can incorporate it into your classroom, holy cow, look at that three-circle monitor. Like you're getting so much overlap. Yes. And bringing in, again, something I want to set up more this year, bringing guest speakers to show them. So you're kind of getting a double whammy of you're exposing other kids to the competition and the kids that really need it for the competition and hopefully finding that, oh, this is pretty cool because what makes me laugh is the two kids that should be in FFA. They were two kids that did that competition and they loved it. Yeah. Like the in-house and they loved it. And I'm like, why aren't you in FFA? Like one of them doesn't even do sports. I'm like, why not do this? Yes. But yes. Yes. That's their choice. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I love that, that you did like a little in-house sort of thing. That's so cool. Yeah. 
it was so fun. It was a lot of work, but it was really fun. We are, so the district that I teach in has, I really need to figure out the exact number, but I believe it's eight or nine <laughs> high schools. I don't know. Yeah, that's okay. I don't know mine either. <laughs> um, and so we, there's three high schools that have agriculture programs and we are going to try this fall to just do like a, within our school district, just those three schools, kind of like a CDE sampler. Um, yeah. So we're going to do dairy um, and a couple soils and a couple others, just so like yes. a lot of our students have ha- never had that experience with, with CDEs. Um, mm-hmm. And so we're hoping that it will kind of, like you said, catch those kids that aren't in FFA and, and get them in because um, I think oftentimes they're like, well, FFA, I don't, that's, I don't need to join that. That's for farmers or whatever else. Right. So we're trying to do something new and um and get some new kiddos in that should be in here like in FFA they know the stuff they yes. enjoy the content or whatever else so yes def- definitely that makes me feel good someone else is doing it and it's working so <laughs> yeah it gives me hope for the September when it's probably going to be kind of crazy but <laughs> definitely well again if you need resources I've I've got a few because yeah I mean to prepare probably 15 competitions by yourself that's hard (laughs) yes 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 um what support and or resources are available out there for teachers yes so I honestly use communities of practice quite a bit through the NWAE yes um I also I mean case has been just life saving like I actually have time to have a life (laughs) outside of teaching um that helps I we are very close-knit up in the northwest district so I reach out a lot to other ag teachers my ag teacher that I grew up with um I I often will be emailing my parents and asking them questions I think that can be hard at times because you would think and it's it's so true though. Like you send out an email to a mass group of people, but nobody responds. Yes. Um, and it's more work on your part to individually reach out to each person. They're like, you'd be so good at this, but that's pretty much what you have to do. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. And I guess other than that, like I use the pork checkoff, I use um, Michael um, and I use just, Kind of anything. I mean, I do so many Google searches in a day. I mean, what? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess that's kind of where I stem from there. I really do agree that communities of practice can be a huge, huge help um, when we are, you know, trying to kind of wade through curriculum and find that lesson that yes. fits our needs. It really seems like communities of practice nine times out of ten will pull through for me. <laughs> Oh, yes, definitely. Yes. And that's been good, too, especially when you are in a new area is I ask people like who know people and then I get to know them and I start gaining people that are like, yeah, I'd be more than willing to help them. Like, awesome. Because the more you can delegate, you know this too, Hannah, the more it's so helpful to your life. And when you get those quote unquote lifetime supporters, it just helps so much. I think that's a really great point. And I've always had a really hard time of like asking people to like volunteer their time or to come in and help with a CDE. Um, And I always think back to, we do an agriculture day every spring where we bring in animals and tractors and whatever else. Um, And I always feel bad because I'm like, first off, these people are trudging their animals into the city which is not easy like driving into the city with a trailer and stuff like that um or driving the you know driving a flatbed truck into the city to drop off a tractor like that's not easy um but I had the people who have been bringing in animals the first year I'm like oh my gosh that was so much work for them I'm not going to ask them again I'm going to try and find someone else and they had like contacted me the next the following spring and we're like, yeah. hey, when's our agriculture day? We want to come again. Yeah. We love it. That's like, we love coming to that thing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I wouldn't have asked them? Like, yeah. you know, and I didn't ask them. They came, what if they wouldn't have like come and said, you know, we want to be a part of that again. And then I would have been stressed out trying to 
find someone else. And here, now I have these people locked in for every year. They're like, they left this year and they were like, okay, just let us know the date for next year. And I literally like, we don't, we can't pay them. They just come and volunteer their time. And um, you would be surprised at how many people like want to have that impact on your students and it's so cool and I just have to remind myself that they're like people really do want to volunteer their time and want to be a part of your program absolutely yeah and the more traction you build with that I feel like the more people do want to be involved and that is cool yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. um is there anything else that I should have asked you or anything else you want to talk about huh um let's see well I guess dairy or swine specific or kind of just like overall in general just overall I guess yeah I guess right now to like a big passion of mine is obviously for those that are starting programs and those I I love helping out I mean I still feel like I'm 22 I feel like but I'm I'm not but I guess my (laughs) big point is, is is I I love helping out those new teachers and encouraging them um because I think what's hard is you, you, especially when you're starting a program, you have to remember to breathe and remember, like, you don't have to do everything and while you're fun and excited about it right away. Because I, I did get really burned out the, by the end of the second year, to be honest. And I, yeah, and to not be, I'm struggling still, but I'm getting better to not be so anxious and to feel like you're not enough and to feel like you're not making progress. But I guess what I'm learning is the more you have relationships, the faster you're going to get places and the more you're going to see fruit from your labor. And so I guess if you are a newer teacher, even if you are somebody that's been teaching 10 years, like it's okay or 20 years or 30 years. I, you know, those ITCs that teach for it, I'm like, holy cow. But, <laughs> um, but just knowing it's okay and go home like that's a big reason why I got a dog is to go home um but yeah I just think it's so important to remember to align your align your life and to know you won't always know everything and you don't have to um yeah that's kind of a big thing of where I'm at right now of just uh, learning going into year five like I I love what I, my job absolutely but I also want to have a family someday and there's no way I'm going to be able to do all that I'm trying to do right now and do that. So just figuring out balance. I know everybody says that's kind of a craze lately, but it is so important. And I think another thing that's really helped me in the past five years and I'm thinking about now is sending out encouragements. And I don't, I'm not as consistent with that, but sending out at least one, once a week, picking one kid in your program and, sending them a personal letter, like, I am so thankful that you did this and contacting their parents, too, and they just love that. So I guess to summarize that, relationships are everything. Take a break, align your life, enjoy life, and know that you are more than just an ag teacher. You are so much more than that. I, um, all of what you just said just really resonates me and something that I'm, <laughs> that I'm really passionate about, too, Um, And I am like a huge supporter as well of like being intentional about setting those boundaries and really like the past week and a half, I've really been on like this rant, Um, (laughs) but there was a post on uh, Facebook somewhere that an agriculture teacher was going on maternity leave. And there was a couple of responses that said like, go back and you can just do your FFA meetings and whatever else. And it makes me like kind of, want to put the brakes on and like let those egg teachers know that you kind of got to step back and look at your whole entire life and like within your whole life what are your priorities and like for me it's my faith and my husband and my kids Mm -hmm. and you know like my family before everything else yes Um, and I like your agriculture program is like very important and I've talked about this before that I think oftentimes Mm -hmm. like being an agriculture teacher is very much woven into who we are and so I think sometimes that's hard to make that like differentiation or kind of split it up but Mm -hmm. like like you said it's okay to go home and leave stuff undone and 
just yes. really like making sure that you're prioritizing those things that are impor- important to you. And maybe, maybe it is like maybe agriculture being like a teacher is the most important thing in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm assuming that there are probably other things that might be more important, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so yeah. I think just trying to find that healthy balance is really, really important. Yes. So you got me on a yeah. little rant there. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's no, that's totally. I just okay, don't want people I... to think that like, like it's okay if you're gone from your program for eight weeks with yes. a baby. <laughs> I don't know. It is. It is. And like the other thing with that, especially like the phase, and you probably went through this too of when you're single, like you just have this thought process like, oh, well, I guess I have time. Everybody else has a baby. So I guess I can, you know, come in at, at seven, but I have gotten a lot better, especially this past year. Somebody will come up to me, for example, right now we're battling slash whatever, yeah. <laughs> um, putting in um, our own crops. Like we own our school had own land prior and I had some gentlemen come up to me and we've been talking about it since day one. Like, let's make this a test plot. Let's involve the kids in harvest. Let's involve them in soil testing. I would love to do that. But same conversations keeps happening. Like, they come up to me, let's make this happen. And finally this year, I was pretty, like, wow, I actually said that, which was, that's awesome. I love your idea, but can you make it happen? Because I, I can't. Like, I've tried kind of thing. And, and the other fruit of the labor after all this is because the program is now four years old, I've had kids and parents come back this year and be like, hey, how can I help you? And I'm just like, oh my goodness, praise the yes. Lord. Somebody asked me the H word. Yes. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it, it, it comes with time. But yeah, those relationships are amazing. And I just got to give a huge shout out to like my officer team. Like they're, they, they were so sweet. Like at the retreat this year, they're like, Miss Miller, you do, cause we read through our officer duties and I read mine and I asked them, do you, do you think there's anything I'm missing? And they just looked at me like, um, you do way more than those seven things, Miss Matt. I was just like, oh, yes, <laughs> you see it. <laughs> That's so great. That's great. Uh, um, yes. Yeah. That's a little bit of a side tangent, but I think it's so important to talk about, especially, you know, just as agriculture teachers, like we just have so much going on and you got to be okay saying, I can't do this, but if you can help me do it, that'd be great. And that sort of thing. Yes. So. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I'm really glad you brought that up because I am really Yeah, you that, too. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so this is the part of the podcast that I love because I get to know my guests <laughs> a little bit more. And I know that the listeners love it because they get to know you a little bit more as well. So <laughs> thinking about your teaching career, who has had the most influence on it? Oh, man. Well, how I really decided this is what I wanted to do was when I – well, I had two ag teachers in high school, both loved dearly, but saw two sides. And I think a lot has changed um, in these years. But the two sides that I saw was a really awesome ag teacher. I felt like she was my mom. She and I connected about a lot of things. Um, and she showed me that, oh, these chores that I do every day at home, like, you can teach people about that. And I was like, wow, okay. Um, but then on the other side of the perspective, um, seeing an ag teacher, again, just like, yeah, just different, like different ways of teaching. And so seeing those different ways, like made me really think about like, oh, okay. And yeah, like I said, love them both, love them still dearly. And they helped me and encouraged me so much, but just seeing different ways of teaching and methods, like intrigued me. And I was like, oh, I guess I could do that. And so they have been very influential to me. Um, I'd also say there's so many, we're in this, maybe you're like this in Minnesota, but we're in this pretty big transition of, I think if the stat was like 70% of the ag teachers in Iowa right now are under the age of 35. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like there's been so much turnover and how many ag teachers are changing to more, more female ag teachers. And, um, but I would say some of those guys in my community and my district, they've just been awesome. Like we're a, you know, every ag teaching community is such a family. Yeah. So they've been influential. I would definitely say my dad's been very influential. My mom, my sweet mom was a city girl. Like oh. <laughs> how she met my dad and all that stuff is just so fun. And so those people, people I worked with, with extension and yeah, my parents just are sweet too. 
that's been really encouraging. That's a good one. I always like, um, I I think I would say four out of the five people that I interview, I always say they're egg teachers. So that's a really cool, really cool thing to hear. I know my answer to that would probably be something similar. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Because I like to think of myself as a foodie. um, My next question is what is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Oh, perfect. Um, well, I'm a steak girl through and through, so prime rib for sure. Um, I love broccoli, like (laughs) roasted broccoli. I love sweet potato fries. Um, and let's see what else. I mean, obviously I am, you know, dating a dairy boy, so I love ice cream. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Especially if there's peanut butter in it. <laughs> oh, that's so I, my husband is like that. He's a peanut butter and ice cream and I'm oh, not yes. so much like that. But every once in a while, I'll take a, take a little bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. And then my last question for you is what are three of your simple joys? Oh my. Well, it's kind of funny. They all start with F, <laughs> but I always say faith, family, and it's actually four. Faith. Nope, it's five. I lied. Um, <laughs> That's faith, okay. Family, FFA, fitness, and football. <laughs> okay. I love all those things. Okay, so football <laughs> team, which one do you follow or which one do you root for? Oh, dear. Iowa State fans, I love you, and I love Iowa State agriculture, but I am a hot guy through oh. and through. <laughs> Uh, it always seems like yeah then you're one side or the other kind of like <laughs> yeah. what is it in Florida I feel like a gator or oh yes I don't know what the other one is but, but yeah uh, Seminoles or Seminoles yeah. I think <laughs> yeah uh-huh. I love that I love that that's great it's good to remember <laughs> yeah. all of that uh yes thinking about our audience if they want to be able to connect up with you how can they do that oh yes absolutely um, I'm just Kylie Ray Miller on Instagram. My handle is exactly the same. Um, but yeah, I love doing that. I have just, yeah, I talk about all my five loves. <laughs> um, uh, otherwise, um, if you want my email to just, I love sharing with people and helping people out. It's just, uh, Kylie.Miller at westernchristianhs.com. And I'm on Facebook too with Kylie Ray Miller too. <laughs> Perfect. Um, I yeah. would like to just say that you're really a bright light on Instagram to be able to follow Aww. and just really just an uplifting, upbeat person to follow on Instagram. Aww. And so um, if you need that in your life, I think that our listeners should go ahead and follow <laughs> you because it's nice to be able Aww. to just see that, that just positive stuff on Instagram. So Oh, well, right back at you. This has just been so fun. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on today. I am excited for our listeners to be able to dig in a little bit deeper um, into the dairy and swine industry. Yeah, well, it was so fun. Thanks for inviting me, Hannah. Hello. This is the part of the podcast where I ask you guys, the listeners, for um, support. So if you like this podcast, you like what I'm doing, you like the content I am covering, um, as always, please send me an email and let me know because that's super helpful. But you can also support the podcast by going to, um, if you go to the Anchor website on your laptop or desktop or whatever else and you search egg with miss wedger there is a button that says support this podcast um and so you can pick a amount that you would like to donate um or you would like to allocate to the podcast and that just supports um honestly the time that i put into the podcast so I spend a lot of time recording. I spend time going through and making sure that there's no like weird microphone issues or whatever else. Um, And then I spend time setting everything up, getting questions, all that good stuff. Uh, So if you like the podcast, I would love, love, love your support. If you're not there yet, that's totally fine too. I understand that 100% completely. Um, But go ahead and follow me on Instagram. let me know what you want to hear um if you want to be a guest yourself all that stuff is great so thank you and i hope you have a great rest of the day
You just finished listening to Ag with Miss Wedger, where I'm sharing chapters from my book of agriculture with each of you. I hope you enjoyed listening and learned a little bit more about our topic for today. Visit my Instagram at Mrs. Wedger to follow along on my daily journey as an agriculture teacher, a wife, and a mama at two. If you have any questions or ideas on topics you want me to dig in and cover, or if you, yeah you, want to be a guest, you can send me an email at agwithmisswedger at gmail.com. I hope you have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye everybody.